1: The SB Nation NFL show is on the clock and we continue to wrap up our 2021 NFL draft coverage. I am your host for today, Michael Kist. And today we sit roughly two weeks out from the conclusion of the draft and there is still so much to unpack. To help me do that today is a dear friend and a fantastic football analyst has been a real gift to the community. He's also an avid reader that takes my history book suggestions to heart. Uh, He Values communication above all else in Warzone, which is much appreciated on my end. And he's the owner of a cat named Midge, who is the undisputed queen of the football Twitter pets kingdom. He is Nate Tice. Follow him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Nate, how you doing,
2: brother? I'm doing great. What an intro. I know we covered Midge. That's great. Midge is asleep right now, which is awesome for me because I actually coming, we were just moved and like now I actually have like a semi-office. So I actually have the door closed, and I don't have to worry about Midge. Like as soon as she usually hears me talking, she's always like, "Hey, what's up?" And she just <laughs> kind of wants to hang out on the show. And yeah, so usually I get to hear. Yeah, uh, we covered all our book suggestions before the show. So sorry yeah. if uh, uh, Nate and Mike's you know historical book uh, book club is going to start at a later date because you know, we had to do that off air.
1: <laughs> Seventeen minutes before the show, me and him are just going off about about books. Maybe we'll put some suggestions on on Twitter for the uh for the gentle listeners, right? What we've been reading and all that stuff. So
2: Exactly. Keep,
1: keep an eye out for that and keep an eye out for the uh Pets of football Twitter calendar featuring Midge. <laughs> we'll be doing that probably.
2: She, she's January through July and then, right. <laughs> and then you get all the other ones. Yeah, exactly.
1: I would I would buy it instantly. Now uh, Nate, getting getting into the 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 football of the show here which I guess we have to talk about. I guess uh, you were you were involved uh for with the project for Bleacher Report leading up to the draft that that it essentially had four scouts, right? And they're creating a big board together and each scout was responsible for a specific group of positions. For instance, our mutual friend, Justice Mosqueda, who is now with SB Nation covering the Green Bay Packers for Acme Packing Company. Congrats to him. Uh Welcome to the team, Bubba. He was responsible for interior defensive line, edge, and linebackers. Your assignments were quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, and receiving tight ends. And, Nate, once upon a time before I was washed, I had Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy tell me that my wheelhouse was wide receivers and DBs. And personally, I do find those positions the most fun to scout. Um, I love them. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to dial in on wide receivers and how their draft slot may impact their projection, their projection, their landing spot, which team, how well they fit the scheme, right? How they could be used, etc. cetera. This conversation is probably going to take some twists and turns, but that's the nuts and bolts of it. So I'm going to start with what I'll call it a Tice take right up top. Jamar Chase, was not only the first wide receiver selected in the draft at fifth overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, but he was also the general consensus wide receiver one, I believe. On the big board here, he was 11th overall and he was your wide receiver three. Now, yeah. my question is, does he fit with the Bengals? Does that fit improve his projection for year one? And why would you say something so controversial? Yet
2: so brave. I love how it's, it's still a top eleven ranking for a receiver, and everyone's like, <laughs> "I like I offended people with that." And, yes. and actually, your whole point about receivers and and fit and the scheme and the landing spot mattering so much—that's why a lot of the receiver stuff—and not just just kind of like kneecap this, but it's like I kind of look at them as almost in tears. And and for me, it was you know Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Jamar Chase, and Eric uh, 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 and Waddle and and what with those i said i it's so funny because i just told a story the other day and i was calling eric Weddle, eric (laughs) waddle so now i i almost just said eric waddle to talk about (laughs) jaylen (laughs) waddle so that's why i just hesitated right there um but i so like that was like my top four tier and and you know I, i had i did have bateman above chase and i do like the landing spot for him in the sense that he has great synergy with higgins and boyd like uh you a uh, receiver room. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was that a receiving room ideally should look like a basketball starting lineup, mm-hmm. and 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 I like that. So Higgins being the power forward, and you know Boyd could be the shooting guard. You okay? They got a little small forward right there, or you know point guard shooting guard, and I yeah. like that. And it, so you see the synergy. You can see him. The thing with Chase, why my why I had some hesitations with him is I see the comparisons. People have compared him now to Des Bryant and Quan Bolden. Um, um, Justin Blackman, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of ball ball winning receivers. And Chase, on the other hand, is six foot, two hundred pounds. Probably he he weighed a right. little heavier than that on his pro day. And he's got 30 inch arms. Des, Des Bryant was doing the things he was doing at 228 pounds with 34 inch arms. Right. And I know I don't want to be the whole scout and like, you know, measurements, measurements, but that does show on Phil. And that's why you have to bring him up. Is that's how he wins. He's a ball winner, he's a bully. And yes. People say, "Oh, SEC corners. You know, he he's going against NFL corners in the SEC. No, they're SEC corners. They're not <laughs> NFL corners. And so they have you. How many NFL corner rookie NFL corners have you seen that have like been good? Right. They're drinking through a fire hose. <laughs> yeah, two two in the last decade, and yeah. so and that's just even competent um, as much as being good. So that's where I always hesitate when I'm going. Uh, yes, yes, he is. Do, he is dominating very good competition. Do not get me wrong." But it is one of those things where it's like you got to take into account what he's going against. Because why I say that is he is every rep, some of these guys are trying to, oh, okay, they watch him on tape. They probably played him against him in high school. So they're amped up to play against Jamar Chase. They're trying to, you know, try to full bench press him. And Jamar, that's playing into Chase's game. And so he, yeah. got, he got away with being able to just be a bully at 200 pounds. I just think he will be able to do that a little bit, but not to the extent that he did it in college. So he needs more finesse to his game and that's where some of the hesitation comes from me because he hmm. doesn't yes he tested well he did but you his route running still needs work um he wasn't asked to run an extended route tree and you could even see on his pro day there's a couple of those routes that he has he ran a little bit different he ran some curls and stuff where you could see him get caught a little bit so i think i just don't think he's still a very good player like well, you say he's number 11 <laughs> on our big board <laughs> i really like this guy i just want to also you know throw some cold water on it a little because I, I was hearing, oh, he's like Julio. He's the, like Calvin. He's the greatest right. receiver. And I'm like, no, guys, like come on, like you, those guys, you do not have to squint. Those guys, you just, you look at them, and go, that is Adonis right there, <laughs> and that, that's what a top ten receiver to me is. So that's why some hesitations I have with Chase, um, but I do like his landing spot. I, I think he, he, there, he could be a true X, and and that's what, that's how he's going to ascend as in the NFL. I um, So, you know, just going to keep having to work on some of the more of the nuances of his game. And I think there's going to be a little more of a learning curve than people realize. Having said that, still a fun player. I love his physicality. love his ball winning ability. And he just plays angry. And those types of guys are really fun to watch.
1: That's, that's fantastic uh, context to go to go in there and kind of explain that. And I, I agree with the, with a lot of those points, especially with some of the comparisons that were made. I felt were really just off and maybe set some yeah. unfair expectations of what his game was going to be like at the NFL. And of course, like you know, you mentioned the route running and whatnot. And just quickly, as an aside, I hope we don't have like a million of these, and it and it takes two hours to get through all of them. But like, I, I'm really interested in your thoughts on like a lot of wide receivers in college are just running into space, right? This is what Robert Woods told me. Like he had never really developed his his route tree and and his technique in college. He had to do it in the pros, and that happens for a lot of guys. But like at the same time, I love to see a really good route runner in college, but there's just, they're, they're oh, just yeah. not many of them. So how much do you knock a guy? for just running into space or using over relying on the physicality when they can do it and get away with it. In college, it does make the projection harder, right? But like the, and it creates that gray area. But do you knock them a lot for it or just a little?
2: Um uh, just a little because then like Rashad Bateman, he he's gonna look very cool because he's running all these cool routes and he's gonna show him good footwork. But a guy like Chase is that's where the traits kind of come in. Because then yeah. you're looking, oh, how did he test well? And also, you're just looking at the routes that he does do. How is his movement on those? Like, is on any stopping routes where he has to break? Is he? I, I say he gets stuck. Like, uh, Chase isn't too bad, but it's still something he needs to work on. You but think that's he something like, locks you... his
1: hips, overextends at the
2: break point, that kind of thing? How I described it on the podcast with Robert, it was kind of hard. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to put it into words. It's uh, too many steps. Like, it's like, one, yeah. uh, one two, three, four, and... and Oh, i'm sorry his is like one two three four five six and it should just mm-hmm. be one two three four when he comes mm-hmm. down it's just that extra rotation yes it's just nitpicking but that's the thing you're taking this guy top number five i shouldn't have to nitpick and that's yeah. where i you know throwing some cold water on him and also it's good dbs take advantage of that not just good quarters good safeties if you're running curl flats and the safeties and quarters he's going to see you start breaking down early and raising up mm-hmm. that's something that they take advantage of. They that's how good these NFL DBs are. Even the ones that we consider average, they still see these things. Um, they watch film too. <laughs> and so that's where so I I uh, to answer your question, kind of like it all depends on the guy, really. Yeah. And you just have to see you have to look for the other traits on the routes he does run. And uh getting stuck in routes is one. Also on like a slant or an outbreaker, how does does he stay friendly to the quarterback? Because then you can mm-hmm. see his body control. I always will say body control and route running or balance. And that's kind of my catch-all of just saying, does he stay friendly to the quarterback? Does he stay tight? Um, does he stay low when he's breaking on his route? Those are the types of things I see. And I, this is a guy we will probably talk about later, but like Diami Brown um, from North Carolina, who ended up with Washington, very limited route tree, uh, Baylor-type offense, a lot of goes, a lot of deep posts. Um, it was RPO after RPO after RPO. Yeah. Why I was a little higher on him than most was the other routes that he was asked to run. Like he ran a quick outs a couple times, maybe like two or three times a game. He looked good on him, and he had body control for he was, He's about six foot, but he had body control. And he had good footwork, and I was like, okay, so he has more to him, and that's a classic can't or won't won't kind of thing but guess what i don't always have the answers either (laughs) because otherwise i'd probably be still in the league (laughs) and there's and there's like there's different
1: like uh when you look at it like there's there's different type of cuts right you mentioned the, the the speed cuts there's the hard angle cuts you mentioned with like the comeback routes and stuff like that and there's the there's the vertical cuts like the post and whatnot and like it does depend on the guy right because I saw yeah. DK Metcalf take six steps, right, on a curl route. And you know what? I didn't care because I'm running yes. post. I'm running goes. I'm doing big boy stuff with him. And I know he could do that because he's just a gigantic freak. So, yeah. you know, you worry less in those situations. Let I want to bounce around the, the first round a bit. I want to go to your wide receiver one who was Devonta Smith out of Alabama. Selected 10th overall in a trade up by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, from what I've been told, and remember, I'm nobody, nothing to see here. The Eagles, after initially moving back from six to get to 12, actually called Detroit on draft night trying to get to seven. This was still for Devonta, by the way. Detroit says, no, we're making the pick. The Eagles are still concerned that the Giants are going to take Devonta at 11, so they trade up two spots from 12 to 10 with the Cowboys to seal the deal. So I know two things about Nate. I know you're a big Devonta Smith fan, number two. I know you're not a proponent of trading up for a wide receiver. At least I think I know that based on our previous conversations. All of that said, did the weird yo-yoing by the Eagles impact your thoughts on the pick? Or is Devonta just that damn good? Or is it both? What's the Tice take on his future in Philly?
2: Oh, my God. I, I think the Eagles <laughs> had so many more things to worry about than getting another receiver. <laughs> and I love, I love Devontae. And it's funny. My top two guys are Devontae Smith or Rashad Bateman. And they go to the places that wide receivers die in Philadelphia and Baltimore. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm dead. Like, my my career as a draft analyst has already just ended right then and there. <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but Devontae Smith, what I just loved about him, like, I was aware of him last year when watching Judy and watching Ruggs. And right then and there, I was like, he's the best one. Like, he, they designed red zone plays for him then. And it was just, if you watch him, it was like, okay, he's probably the best player. Like, I, I, it was just unbelievable things he was doing. And then this past year, obviously, winning the Heisman, all that fun stuff. We all know who Devontae Smith is now. And when I was watching him, what? yeah, he's skinny. But he, with his arm length and how he plays, he plays so tough. He's competitive. He's, like, barely missed any snaps or time in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's those little things he does. It's, it's his body control on his route running. is It's unbelievable. Like he, there's a point. There, there's a reason he's the point man on uh, press. Because like with Waddle, they had a, they have to scheme up a little bit, get him off press, move him to slot, so that way he can have free releases. But then they put their 170 pound receiver, 100 whatever, 60 change pound. He's the point man. Yeah. He's supposed to be the big guy there, and he is. Yeah, and he plays big, and he's like, I mean, no one can press this guy because he just he he his core strength his balance, his flexibility. It's just this weird combination of traits. Um, even things like he'll get tackled and I mean, just get whacked and he just bounces right up. Like nothing bothered him. You know, it was like, you know, like Jerome Bettis or something, something like that, but at 170 pound receiver. Yeah. Does, and then the hands, you know, on the scouting scale, there's excellent. And then there's the rare, you could say rare and it's, one of those why I've thought that you never you don't need it on the scouting scale because it's never used and it's like he right. does have rare hand rare hands I I do believe he does like I think the fact how it sticks and there's no movement after that ball hits his hands you no know, every time it's consistent not once in a while where it's like ooh that's a cool catch it's like you no know, every time that ball hits his hands it's and just goes right then and there so it's kind of like oh my god like the only other guy. Who do I compare that to? Because right. <laughs> like, even the best guys will—they'll have those, you know, double catches. It's like, all right, he's very good hands or excellent hands. But yeah, so just the the catching range, the the hands, the route running ability, the body control. It's like I think no matter what, he's going to be a useful pro. And honestly, it's like Jalen Hurts. I guess is that who they're going with in Philly. Um, I mean, it's like the best option he can have. Again, thought the Eagles should probably go somewhere else, but I, I still love Devontae Smith, the player. It's just one of those things where. He's gonna. He might just be a target monster his first year, maybe like an inefficient target monster his first year or two. And but it's yeah. just gonna be really fun. He's just. I think he's just a special player and a special talent where it's like he's the. He is the exception that proves the rule kind of thing. That he is the outlier. I just keep calling him that, but I do think he is the outlier.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm very fascinated to see how they use him and what it looks like in year two, year three. If there's a quarterback change, if hurts comes on and whatnot. Like I, I. I agree with you on on like the needs thing, right? And I think if, if I, I really thought coming into it that if the Eagles were looking at it from a needs perspective, they were probably looking at it wrong because I think there's so much work to be done with that so roster. Much. So if you get a good talent and he turns out being great and you finally nail a freaking wide receiver so you can stop drafting them and using draft capital on that position, but if not, man, is it
2: bad. <laughs> yeah. So. I know that's that's the thing with the receivers. So like if you draft a guard early, you know, or right. a tackle, it's a lineman. Okay, even if he turns out to be average or above average, okay, it's still an average to an above average lineman, an average to an above average receiver. You're like always trying less. to get better. It means mm-hmm. less because they affect the game less, and so now it's like, okay, we're double screwed. We have to give this guy targets because we drafted him number ten, and then and then also it's like it's just diminishing returns. It's cost, you know, opportunity costs. all any economic economic term you want to give. Yeah. That's what happens when you draft a receiver early. I, that's why. I'm a other than the super freaks, I wouldn't take a receiver top ten. And then even after that, I wouldn't start looking at these guys until past the lottery because it's just I just view receivers as chariot on tops. Like it's just you can find these guys in the teens and the twenties and or in the second round especially. Hmm. And usually if you're picking top fifteen, you got whole a lot of other things that you have to worry about on your team than another receiver <laughs> i mean that's generally how there's a reason you're picking top 10 it's usually not because you don't have a pass catching option <laughs> it's because right. you probably don't have a line don't have a quarterback don't have a pass rush don't have corners and that that's why those are the premium positions
1: with that philosophy kind of crystallized there let's let's play a game for these other uh three top wide receivers that were selected in the first round jalen waddle just to set the table jalen waddle goes six to the dolphins in the trade-up well before the draft Kadarius Tony goes uh twenty to the Giants in a trade back on draft night. Rashad Bateman goes to the Ravens at twenty seven. They they stuck. So Waddle Tony Bateman. You gotta nudge one, hug one, marry one. Nudge, hug, marry. Go. <laughs> okay,
2: so uh, nudge is uh like
1: you get know get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> never yeah. never have so, to
2: yeah. deal with them again. Okay. Yeah. Just try and find another term for yeah. Um uh Tony t- definitely nudging Tony. Um okay. I would say I would say I would hug uh, Waddle and I would marry Bateman. Okay. I think that's that. That's the how I would go down that path. <laughs> is
1: is Bateman one of your your favorite selections in the first round? Like, is but for like? Because you said like I don't like a top ten. I kind of want to wait, and even then, I'm not yep. really sure. But like 27, yep. Lamar not having receiving many receiving options uh, for for his time there, which isn't talked about enough. You think that's that's the 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 best one of that of that bunch?
2: Yeah, and honestly, it's it's. I had, I think, Bateman, like number nine or something like that mm-hmm. on our big board. But I, with receivers, I, with quarterbacks, I give a half grade inflation. So if I gave Mac Jones a really okay. second round grade, boom, you would take him in the teens, 20s mm-hmm. as a quarterback. Receivers, I'm almost the opposite. If mm-hmm. I have like a number nine grade, I wouldn't look at him till 10 picks, 15, 20 picks later. I don't know. That's just how I kind of look at these guys. Like, mm. that's my own philosophy. But so I do. Th- like, just a long story short, I do agree with where he went. I thought this was a proper spot for him. It's funny. It's like I think he's a great fit there because he gives them such a different skill set for what they need. But yes. it's not like Lamar is throwing many timing skill based routes. It's you know right. it's drags and overs and deep routes and maybe some stuff on the sideline. But what I love about Bateman is that just that he does everything well. Like he is he's a- above average to good at every facet of receiver play. And I, I'm just a huge fan of his. I, I wasn't stoked that he went to Baltimore because Greg Roman's still out if it's a coordinator there. The passing game is archaic. I don't care who they hire. It's still going to be Greg Roman's offense. So if they modernize it a little bit, I'd like it more. But it is good for the Ravens. I think it's a proper spot for where he should go. And also just like, yeah, they it gives him a different skill set than they have. Like The, the synergy he's going to have with Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown is perfect. It's Mm. just just perfect. Like, it really is. Like, as opposed to Hollywood Brown running digs, you know, you got a six-foot Bateman there running and catching it. And it's like, keep Hollywood Brown on stuff he's good at. Just vertical routes, you know, vertical routes, vertical routes, vertical routes. And then it's just like, okay, now the intermediate short areas can be attacked by Bateman and Andrews. And I think that's pretty good. He's not a dominant blocker, but he's going to, you know, he gives some physicality, and that's needed with what the Ravens want to do. So I I do like the fit, even if, like, he's not going to be a statistical darling, I don't think. I still think he's gonna be a good pro, no matter where that's why I liked him a lot, because he was kind of scheme proof to me. And uh I mean I could transition to Waddle and maybe why I had some hesitations with him. <laughs> um but like, you know, like with Waddle, who I'm hugging right here, I I, I love his skill set. I, I I do. I I think he's gonna be no matter what a, a contributing pro. Like I think I think he's gonna be a super role player. I think that's kind of his skill set. Everyone's saying Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill ran more routes in a quarter than Waddle did in the season you know kind of like legit, legit routes i think waddle you know he had to, I, that point about Devontae smith he had to be off the ball because he can't it, it's hard for him to win versus press consistently he just that's not his skill set that's not where he makes his hay luckily he went to miami where it, it's a great fit for him just with the outside receivers they have he gives him a totally different kind of skill set i even though they have will Fuller, which is I mean, whatever. Dolphins are going to just – I don't know. I don't know what the Dolphins – I, I want to say they're smart, and then they do these certain things, and I'm just <laughs> like, okay. Like, I like the process. Maybe not – you know, the result isn't exactly what yeah. I wanted. You know, they're still sticking with Tua. <laughs> um, but it's its always there. It's like he is going to be in a good spot where they can move him around, work from the slot, and have him on stacks where he's off the ball. And I think that's where he's going to ascend. Um, I just think with him, he he's – I mean, he's only a week younger than Devontae Smith, even though Devontae Smith was a great older – um, you know, that that's something that you have to keep in account. He has short arm, just like I brought up about Chase, and that matters too And his ball-winning ability because that's not his game. He's a catch-and-run guy. Mm-hmm. Um, So as opposed to a lot more vertical throws with him that we saw in college with all those RPOs and everything they did in Alabama, I think it's going to be more slants and drags that he catches and runs. And I think no matter what, say he doesn't turn into the superstar receiver or anything, he's going to be a returner. And, and I think of a very good one. Uh, and so it's like, he's going to have a use in the NFL and I haven't talked about the other guy, but I, I I can keep going (laughs) if you want me to full disclosure
1: as an Eagles fan. I don't mind hearing that you want to nudge Kadarius, Tony, who was picked at 20 by the giants, even with the trade back, you don't love it. Yeah, Why?
2: I thought Tony should have been taken in the late second round. I think there's a lot, a lot of concerns I have with him. Um, yeah. I I been now I feel like this is the fourth podcast I've been on. I'm just dragging Kadarius Tony. So it's like if any Tony's <laughs> I promise i I still like I still see the straits with him. He moves like he bends like Gumby. He is absolutely dynamic with the ball in his hands. It's just getting the ball in his hands is the issue. It is I, I think he's extremely, extremely raw route runner. Um he got a little better, but there's just a lot of ad libbing and why ad libbing on his routes and why I make that such a big deal and have repeatedly made it such a big deal is because nfl timing and college timing really but nfl timing on routes matters it's your drop back my five-step drop is tied to what your route depth is and when you're going to be there because if i'm late you're late then we know something's wrong and then and then a lot of times if a receiver gets hung up and the quarterback feels late you let the feet tell you that you're late okay i'll check it down or oh okay get the number two okay two to three you're listening to your feet to tell you the timing and yeah it looks cool he does funky things on his routes but it's like no that that's going to get a lot of guys like fired <laughs> if you do that right. in the nfl and it's it, it's
1: like i can't i can't look at you on certain things tom brady won't look your way because you're messing with my time messing with right? my time
2: <laughs> completely no and that's what happens it's, yeah. i don't know if daniel jones is that type of personality but it's it's <laughs> it's but seriously that's what happens all the time you think you have you ever seen aaron rogers talk to his receivers it's usually because they took a little too long it's seriously or they didn't yeah. look when they were supposed to and that's what you see a lot of quarterbacks be you know be not so nice to the receivers and that's usually the reason hey you that was supposed to be 18 you you went at 22 like what the hell weren't you in your playbook all week like hey we practiced this remember we did something in it that's what quarterbacks are so that's why that matters and and also with tony is he's 5'11 and change um he plays small um i i I just thought he it was hilarious when he measured in because i was like man i thought he'd be 5'9 even though he was listed at six foot because he just plays small yeah, And, you know, he just does – he is he is incredible with the ball in his hands. So, I, I do want to say that as a positive with him. The pick with the Giants didn't make a ton of sense to me because, I don't know, that offense and creativity, I, I don't really see it uh, with Jason Garrett. And it's just – I don't know. It, it just didn't really make a ton of sense to me to take him there. I think he's a guy you take in the middle second and you ease into reps. And I do think that's one aspect that the Giants have is they have enough other receivers that are going to be able to kind of, like, take a load off him. So, he's not – thrown into the, the deep end right away
1: quick giants take before we go to break i want you to 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 tell me yes you agree or or, or no you don't pat Shermer pants jason garrett in getting daniel jones the looks that he needed to be successful
2: i i think so i think i think mike okay. mike shula and Shermer did a better job have, have done a better job um it's funny with the giants because their defense improved so much and i was like oh okay they got they got right. some stuff going and then the offense like took a step back and i was like oh well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> so I, I, I think Sherman and Chua did a good job. At least, at least, putting him in a position where he could like do look, look positive. I think Jason Garrett almost treated him like like Dak. Where it's like, yep. hey, hey, you can handle all this. You're smart. You're smart. Like, And then and then Daniel Jones is still figuring it out. So, um, right. yeah, I would say he did an awful job. I'll hedge on that. But I just, I, yeah, I think Sherman Shula did actually a better job than people realized.
1: Yeah. D- Daniel Jones was a first-read quarterback in college. And he was a first-read quarterback with, with Sherman. And Sherman did a great job of designing open those those first reads and making it simple for him. Making it right? simple. Getting guys open. and And Jason Garrett decided he was ready for the next step. And he wasn't, and the offense is pretty stale and old anyway. So that's my take on the Giants. I'm glad you agree with literally everything I just said. (laughs) We're going to go to a break. Real quick, when we come back, we're going to hit up some second-round guys and some other guys that Nate loves. That's coming up next year on the SB Nation NFL Show.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: And we are back here on the SB Nation NFL show. This is our continuing draft coverage. Michael Kist here with Nate Tice. Nate, so we covered all the guys uh at nauseum in round one. We went a little long on that. Let, let's go through some guys in the second round. I want to pick your brain here. In, in your eyes, who was the best value or what pick did you like in, in, in round two? And let me run through those for the listeners as a refresher real quick. 34th overall was Elijah Moore to the Jets. 49th overall, Rondell Moore to the Cardinals. 56th overall, Dwayne Eskridge to the Seahawks. 57th overall, 2-2 Atwell to the Rams. Please don't say you love that one. I don't know what the hell that pick was. And the last one, 59th overall, Terrence Marshall to the Panthers. Who you got in that group? Who do you love?
2: Oh, man, I, I really like Elijah Moore. Um, I compare. I actually thought that was a great landing spot for him as well. Um, it's funny. The Jets took Zach Wilson, which I had him as my QB for, but then they just made a couple picks after that that I really liked. I, even though they traded up for the offensive lineman, I liked the offensive lineman um so it's kind of like call it net neutral and then but like with elijah moore i i love that fit uh cory is the classic basketball starting lineup they have cory davis They i real, i'm a fan of denzel mims and now they get their slot guy and what's fun yeah. about Eli- elijah moore i compared him with brandon cooks i think brandon cooks was a better route runner and a little more physical but it's like it's just that more football player mindset in a small man's body like he he's more of a you wish this guy was two inches taller so he could play outside because then you'd be like, this guy's going to be a Z for the next 12, 14 years. So now, yeah, Mm -hmm. he has to work from the slot. He has to be a kind of a jet sweep guy, but he, he, he's a, he's a good route runner. He has a good feel and stuff. He's just kind of like another guy that's above average to good. Um, I wouldn't say he timed well, but I didn't think he's the most explosive guy. Um, I think Brandon coach was, was a little more explosive coming out and also could win on the outside more consistently. Um, but I just think this guy's just a good player. Like, I just – I like the fit. I, I think it makes a ton of sense for what they need and where he went was perfect. I would never take him in the first round because he's smaller. But early second, okay, cool. I'm cool with that. Um, other guys in the in the second round, Rondell Moore was a fun player. like that fit. Eskridge, I was a little lower on. I I had like a fourth-round fourth, fourth round grade on him. Older, coming from the Baylor offense, you know, kind of had that Corey Coleman uh, thing to him, where it's all slants and go yeah. balls. I see some of the explosiveness. I, I he's a weird player for me, and the fact that he's older kind of threw me off a lot about him. Position changes. He dominated that that offense he's in going against those Mac defenses. It was like, you know, catching slants against cover zero, play after play after play after play after play. So it's like, yes, going to be amazing. <laughs> like, so <laughs> it's, you have to watch him and just, you know, he has some stiff hips. Yeah. So I, I like him, but he's not a bad player or anything. I just would not have taken him until day three. Um, yeah. Who was who the player
1: like that from Baylor that came out that, like, that, that, Went undrafted, and then the 49ers picked him up. And the first thing he did was he was he, he caught a go ball in practice for the 49ers for a touchdown, and he showboated, and he was cut later that afternoon because they just didn't like his attitude. I know what you're talking about. That's gonna come. But he had the same. you had the he yeah. had the stiffness, right? Yeah. He was just a go guy. He had yep. the same. That's field. what they all
2: are. <laughs> That's what we had another Baylor guy when I was with the Raiders, and I think he we gave him the highest uh, undrafted you know signing bonus because I mean his college tape was just ridiculous and that guy came in and obviously didn't know how to play football like he didn't know how to line up in a huddle didn't know how to line up in a huddle um like just didn't know, didn't know he had to take notes like just all those things about being a pro like he was just like i have no idea and it was just like he did not know understand routes it was like like stuff like and i'm not trying to be mean i'm just being literal right. here it was just like he would run a route like you asked him to run like a dick and he would be like like kind of just like, i don't know and you're just like. <laughs> come on you, you just caught like 1200 yards last year <laughs> you don't know what yeah. a digger out is yeah, i get it it's like we all come at different light or you know different backgrounds and stuff but it's like you kind of know what a dig is right um so yeah yeah, yeah those Baylor Katie guys. cannon katie katie cannon, cannon. that's wow <laughs> that's a name i've heard in a while uh yeah okay back last guy last guy in the like second round Terrence marshall yeah uh I, I like the fit um i gave him he i thought he was more he's a home run swing type of, type of prospect. Um, in the sense that – or I should say home run swing, but Boomer or bust. Uh, mm. I, I liked his inside and outside ability. Like the fact that he played from the inside this year, was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. He had body control and everything. But then that's where my neg- negatives came up is that I, I hate to sound like this, but I just don't think he's very tough. And <laughs> I know it's receiver, well, yada, yada, prima donnas and everything. But, like, just things like he runs a nice under route in the middle. The next thing he's worried about is where he's about to get tackled from. He, mm-hmm. He's he's catching the ball not to see where he can get upfield. It's where to see the defenders are coming from. He'll curl up, and yeah, I'm being an old guy scout right here. But that kind of shows up throughout his game. Kind of kind of comes yeah. and goes with him. He, he's a big ebb and flow kind of guy. Extremely talented. Like he's a he's a flash player. And I would have been very scared if I took him in the first round. If I were a team and took him in the first, I would have been like, Phew. he has first round talent. But they took. I think Carolina took him perfect spot, late second the risk isn't as high right there. There's still that kind of boom p- potential with him. And he goes with his old uh, LSU offense coordinator, Joe Brady, who's going to kind of know what he is a little bit. And so I was like, okay, that if one team were to take him, I like it just right there. There, Even if the player, I, I, I'm not a fan of his inconsistency, but maybe, you know, he's younger and he can just learn to be a pro. And these type of guys hits all hit all the time, but it's, or they don't hit all the time. But when they do, you get, you get some nice players. And, um, yeah, I think he's just a talented player with some pedigree, but it's just like there's a lot of risk there too.
1: That was a good point about going over to the middle. Like I I've mentioned it uh before, but my talk with Robert Woods, I was like you're so tough over the freaking oh. middle. Like how how, how do you how do you parse that out in your mind when you're when you're going across the teeth of these defenses and he's like you, essentially what he told me was you got to know and assess beforehand because if you're worried about that when you're going to catch the ball it's going to mess you up like yep. I'm not worried about getting hit when I catch the ball I know where everybody is I know where it's coming from if it's coming you know and you just kind of you kind of go from there you're you're worried about getting yak after that yep look the the drafts rounds 3 through 7 for wide receivers historically not great a lot of this production is dependent on their draft slot but like let's just go through a couple more guys to to wrap this up of guys you think that could make a splash could make an uh, impact based on the on the fit the potential just your guys nate who do you love
2: yeah the third round had a couple of them um so like we just rattle off like josh palmer i really liked um uh, he had some outside ball winning ability i think he could ascend and i'm gonna use our term here i think he could ascend being a power slot in the NFL, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm throwing it out there. Me, oh, Mina and Danny Kelly crushed me on their podcast about that. They're just they're oh. like, they're, they, oh no, they what? they used it like five times, and then they go, "It's not gonna happen. We're not gonna make it happen." <laughs> like, no, it's gonna happen. It's catching on. Um, <laughs> no, so I think I, I do think Palmer, like with the Chargers too, he could like be inside and out for him this year and do some power slot things like a Chris Godwin. Um, not saying mm-hmm. he's the same tier player, but ascend in that kind of role. I think that's where he could yeah. be a good pro and, and and just do some tough things because he's tough and physical. I think he's an okay route runner, but he has some ball-winning ability and he's long. Just really like that type of player. Um, I really liked uh, Anthony Schwartz, uh, and he went to a good fit with the Browns. Uh, I thought of any deep threat in this draft, he would have been the guy I took. and I I They took him exactly where I had him graded. I think we were like 93 or 94 overall in him, and I think that's where he ended up that's exactly what I think of him I I kind of picture of him as what people wanted Henry Ruggs to be and because I think I think this guy's more of a football player than he has to track this, back. Is, a,
1: this is a subtweet at me this is a sub-tweet a little at bit, me, a little ahead, bit. I, I scared
2: you <laughs> right in the eye when I said that so um, uh, but it's it's with him but I just think with him is that this is where I you know at Ruggs I had a graded higher obviously but it's this yeah. type of skill set is a cherry on top it's not a guy you want as your number two. You want him as your number three or even number four, but as this kind of 30 play, super role player guy that truly mm-hmm. takes the top off. And what I loved about Schwartz is I just thought he had more football player to him than just, I, I went in going, oh, he's a track guy. Look at him. He's skinny as hell. He's not going to be able to play football. He's going to be soft. All these track guys are usually soft and skinny. It's just, it is what it is. Yep. He comes in. Yeah, he's skinny. He wants the block. He has a ball in his hands. He's trying to lower his shoulder, and the guys, he just gets blown over. But it's like, he's trying, but it shows that toughness mentality and a, a work ethic. Yeah. And he's playing with the worst quarterback situation. Bo Nix couldn't co- complete a ball to him. The other guy that they play with, yeah, I know him and Seth Williams, you know, Seth Williams is giving up and just kind of throwing his hands up in the air, going like, whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anthony Schwartz is playing, 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 playing. And that stuff does matter because NFL season is a long season. And you're not always going to play with Patrick Mahomes. You know, you're not always going to play with an all-star quarterback. And so I just kind of like that mentality. And he got a lot of, like, jet sweep, like, flat routes. Like, he'd come off the motion and he was the check down. And I saw some hands, more hands than I thought I would. A the, the guy that's supposed to just be a track guy. And all of a sudden he, could, he had body control to turn up field and get north. And I just liked all that stuff. Um, other guys in the, later in the draft, you know, I'll just knock some more out. I really liked, uh, 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 Tylan Wallace, Tillon Wallace uh, Oklahoma, uh, from Oklahoma State going to the Ravens as well. Amir Smith-Marset, as you probably know, huge fan of yeah. him. Um, he's got, he went to the Vikings in the fifth round. I'm a big fan of him. I think he could be a really good, maybe end up being a number two, but I do think he could be a number three and a kick returner in the NFL and stick around for a while. And then another guy, a couple late round guys too. I like Cornell Powell to the Chiefs. I think he's going to kind of be like a glue guy, um, like a number four type that backs up all the spots and just brings some toughness to that receiving core. Kind of brings him a different skill set. And the other one, like a sixth rounder, I actually really liked was uh, Frank Darby of Arizona State. He went to the Falcons. Mm-hmm. He timed like crap, but I think he his times or his play speed is so much faster than his time speed, and I, I think he that's a good place that he can maybe be a teamer and a deep, deep threat guy that can maybe be a little fun player, a fun role player for them. There's a, mil-
0: there's a million I mean, other
2: undrafted guys that I could throw out there. <laughs> Jonathan I mean, Adams. That's,
1: you really turned that into your specialty. I noticed that, right? Like, the guys nobody's talking about, Nate's in your DMs going, you got to watch this guy. Yeah, I know. this freaking guy.
2: I mean, everyone can that's talk awesome. about the top 10 guys. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, it actually finding those day three guys that you're like, I like this guy. And like, yeah, I wouldn't take him before the fourth round, but it's like, you're like, you see, like, two traits, and you're like, this guy could maybe make it as something more. And, like, that's always fun. Right. Like, when you're just trying to find those, yeah, not all of them are going to hit. That's the draft. But it's like, if you find, like, two or three, that's like, okay, this is fun. Like, and I'm going to keep an eye on them throughout, you know, hopefully help me in fantasy or something down the road. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think,
1: like, a guy like that for me last year was, like, uh, Darnell Mooney, who was selected uh, in in the fifth round for, for the Bears. When I came across
2: this film, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I could see this. Yep. <laughs> this yep. is fun. Exactly. I know. And then even a guy like, you know, like Jonathan Adams, I just mentioned, but he went undrafted to the Lions. And it was like, I would have taken him in the sixth or seventh. You know, I actually think I had a late fourth grade on him. But it was like, he can't run a route to save his life. But he's big, long, athletic, uh, was a basketball player. He's never played spring football his entire life. Like those guys, it's like, that's fun. If you if I were a team and if taking him like in the sixth round, it'd be like, Yeah, like you might find a guy that could just and we're not saying this guy's gonna be an all pro Antonio Brown sixth right. rounder, but just a, a role player, a contributing pro. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fun when you can find a receiver that, yeah, someone took in the second round, that guy flames out after two years or three years, and I take this guy in the sixth round that plays a nine year, ten year career. It's like I'd rather have that one. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. like that. That's what's fun. That's why it's fun to find these types of guys.
1: Well, Nate, I, I appreciate you being high effort and being the power slot on the show today. That phrase is we're definitely making that happen. We're making I don't, it happen. I don't care if it's. Last thing I do. Uh I I really appreciate the insight, man. I always have a great conversation with you. I look forward to playing uh Warzone with you later tonight, hopefully. But let the gentle listeners know where they can find you, your work, plug whatever you want to do, man.
2: Yep. So usually you can find me on the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays. Uh Lindsay Jones is also on there. Uh but yeah, we usually will do the Sunday night, Monday morning show during the season. But right now we're in the off season schedule, so which is kind of once a week, whenever we decide what day makes it makes it work for us um you can find my my draft reports on bleacher report you can just look up any offensive skill positions um and then also you know find me on twitter nate underscore tice and uh right now i'm kind of getting back into watching nfl film which has been nice and watching game pass again and i Yesterday I just watched Patrick Mahomes because I was just I just wanted to feel good about myself. <laughs> so I watched two <laughs> games of Patrick Mahomes and I was just like, yeah, this is good. I had to reset after you watch college film for months and months and months. It's like I gotta watch the NFL again. It's like even a bad NFL team at least it's like I recognize right. I recognize this stuff and it's yeah it's just I, I I I can't watch more Mac and Sunbelt film It's just for another year. i, I, I I've had my fill. <laughs> Can
1: I tell you, I did. I quickly, I I did that the other day, and I put on the Eagles' first game of the season. It's funny that you you talked about like that competitiveness in, in wide receivers, and it was something that I saw as a red flag for Jalen Rager coming out of TCU, who had a terrible quarterback. Right, I get it, but then yep. he comes to the NFL in his rookie year. And I felt like he had some of the same effort and toughness concerns, always in the self-preservation uh, mode, going out of yeah. bounds. I mean, he has the ball in his hands, not trying to pick up extra yards. In that first game against Washington, he might have been the worst wide receiver blocking guy on the on the freaking planet. Like all yeah. the signs were there, but he caught up – he got the ball in that game. So you can't talk about it to Philly fans after that game, exactly. right? They're all like, ooh, flashy exactly. bomb, right? So, d- d- and rec-
2: <laughs> that's why receivers are so dangerous because – I I'm guilty of it. You watch a highlight tape and you're like, Holy crap. This guy is a stud. And then you have to watch, you know, the 55 other plays that the guy was on the field. And that's something. Okay. Just real quick. Why also another thing, why I liked Rashad Bateman was I was watching a game. I want to say it was Penn state or Wisconsin. I can't remember team. They throw a pick. He, hot, it wasn't even to the guy that was covering him. He came across the field and hocked the guy down and, and, and love it. Real, real strong tackle. And that's when I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like, yeah, they run RPOs. They don't block a lot, but it was like, that was competitiveness right there. And that's like, and that matters. I know it sounds, it sounds like some age hit scouting thing, but it really does matter because the NFL season is a grind and now it's 17 yeah. games, 18 weeks it's a grind it's not you can everyone can have all these guys can be flash players but the fact if you can do it 60 70 plays a game that's what matters if how every time the ball comes your way you do something with it that's what matters
1: yeah As scouting academy you know we have our critical factors and whatnot and one of them is in fact competitive toughness and i think yep. teams view it the, the the same way for sure you hear all the stories about julio jones playing playing ping pong and with todd haley yes. and you hear all that type of stuff so i i 100 agree nate you're a tough mf for. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, bud. Thanks for having me. Of course. That's going to do it for the SB Nation NFL Show. We thank you for joining us. If you liked what we had today, go subscribe, rate, review, leave five stars, leave a written review. We'll discuss it on the show. We appreciate you tuning in. Go dominate and have yourselves a day.